All right, you may be seated. After all these years, I'm still convinced that I don't really think we understand uh, the importance of coming to church, sitting in the presence of Almighty God, hearing the Word of God, worshiping. I just don't. Um, The Bible says God will inhabit the praises of His people. When you go from just sort of singing into praising God, God says, I'll inhabit those praises. So if you want more of God in this church, praise Him and worship Him. And the more of God will show up. And the stronger God shows up, the greater things uh, that will happen. And then all of us find ourselves in situations many times we don't know what to do, don't have the ability to figure it out. Um, Just the other day, reading the Word of God, I'm going to just read something here to you even before I get started. Because it has to do, I could preach whatever I'm going to preach here today the best of my ability. But if if you don't uh, intend your ears to listening to the Word of God. If you don't tune in to, the, to God or you just sit there in another church service, eh, you're not going to get anything. You're just not. This is what it says. It says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. It's telling us what to do even now before I preach. This is what the Lord is expecting us to do when we read the Word of God, counsel the Word of God, preach the Word of God, sing the Word of God. You have to apply your heart. God, I want understanding this morning. I don't want to just sit through another 40-some minutes of words. Then it goes on and says, yes, if you cry out for discernment, something that's missing in our country today, and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver... You ever lose your, lose your keys or lose a wallet, lose your credit card, and you go nuts looking for it. God says that's what you're, you and I are supposed to do for him. We should seek him as silver. He knows what to compare to. He knows what's really important to us. It's money. So he says if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You need the knowledge of God? God just gave you the recipe to get it, to go after it. God is no respecter of persons. He's not going to keep it from one and give it to another. So and if you're not hungry for God, ask him. All my life I've had to get hungry and I don't get hungry. I get hungry and I don't get hungry. It's a battle with this flesh. So go after God like never before. And I just want to read one more thing to you and we'll get going here. I saw this uh, maybe a couple years ago, uh, and I've shared it throughout that time, but in our nation, in our nation, it just seems like the whole society has become dummy down. It's just, I I just can't understand how they think, how they could even uh, uh, go against uh, the various things that that seem to be obvious. Isn't it obvious? Isn't it obvious? And I guess it's not to them. And I would say, Lord, how can it not be obvious? I don't understand that. Well, do you understand that the Lord has his fingers in everything? Absolutely everything. How many times have you said to yourself or to a friend or somebody, what's ever happened to common sense? Where is common sense? Well, I read this in a New Living Translation. Listen to what it says. 
Proverbs 2, 7. He grants a treasure. This is God. God grants a treasure of common sense to the righteous. Not to people. To righteous. You pull away from God as a nation, as a society, as a family, as an individual. You're going to get dumber. You're just going to get dumber. God's got the key to common sense. And he just locks it. He says, if you want to go this way, I'm going to leave you to your own. As you seek God, cry out to God, come to the house of God, dive into the word of God, give it your best. But as soon as I get ready to start here, God's going to grant you things that you don't even have a clue when you walk out of here. You don't even understand, but it happens. It happens. So take that for what it's worth. Anyway, now, this morning, I'll tell you, the enemy is after your right eye. This one right here. Your right eye. He's after it if he doesn't have it. If he has it, I want you to understand, hey, where's your right eye? And we're going to look at the Word of God today. This is to give you understanding. This is to give you common sense. And I hope you seek for it. And I hope you ask the Lord, Lord, do I see like you want me to see, God? And see what he says. All right. Genesis 3.1 says this. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. The serpent. We know who that is. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now that word subtle is shrewd and crafty. And the Bible's telling us right off the bat that your adversary, the enemy, is more shrewd, more crafty than any other creature. Anyone. And whether you know it or not, you've all had conversations with the enemy. He has come your way. If he hasn't sitting with you right now, and I don't mean an actual person. Because the enemy does not want the word of God to go out and find fertile ground in your heart. No way. Because then it might grow. You might learn things and start doing something. So that no way. Satan's effectiveness is often found in his cunning, crafty ways. And he spews them towards us. You as an individual, you as a family, and us as the family of God here at New Hope. He has special plans to keep us from accomplishing what God wants. We can't outsmart Satan. But we can overcome him by the power that's in Jesus. That you can rely on. But if your right eye is gone, if it's been thrust out or plucked out, you're blind and you can't see. You can't see spiritually. It was the craftiness of Satan that made him successful against Eve. I mean, just picture this. Have you ever really just kind of thought about it? Corinthians tells us that, that the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, his shrewdness, his cunningness. Now there's Eve, placed in the most perfect place in the world. I mean, all you guys, you probably watch uh, HGTV, House Hunters, Beach House, this house, that, oh, this one, oh, that one, oh, this one. And then there's the lottery home, oh, wow. This outdoes them all. Perfect, no sin, crystal clear water, beautiful flowers, no litter, garbage, trash, perfect, pristine. And she was tricked. 
He's tricky. So Peter tells us because of his cunningness and slyness, and I think we heard not that long ago, in one of the messages or our videos, the Bible tells us the enemy walks to and fro. All through when God says, hey, where you been? I've been walking to and fro all through the earth. Looking, spewing, tricking, and thrusting out right eyes. So Peter tells us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. Do you understand you have an adversary? Nobody probably really likes to get in a fight. Nobody really likes to be hated or not liked. But you have an adversary. If you want to admit it, it doesn't matter. He's not going to stop. He hates you. And then it goes on and tells kind of what he's like. As a roaring lion. And they claim that the lion's roar can be heard for like five miles. He spooks anything and everything that looks like prey to him for five miles. As he roars and you're five miles away and you're, you're running, you're panicked. Be sober. Be grave, that means. Be serious about this, is what Peter's telling you and I. And be vigilant. Quit being like the typical morning American Christian. He's saying, be vigilant. Stay alert. Stay on guard. Load up. Because you have an adversary. I mean, I don't know if you have or not, or, or maybe, but... I don't know if you've been joshled out of bed from some weird sound. Did you grab a weapon? Did you go looking? I mean, hopefully you didn't say, wife, go look. <laughs> you should have a, a weapon. I have. I don't think Ruth's ever even known it. A couple times probably. I thought, what on earth? So God tells us to be sober, be vigilant. Get into this. Be into this. You're in a fight for your soul, your spiritual soul. And if you're blessed with a husband or a wife and children, and you got all those souls you are responsible for. Not alone all those that God has placed around you at your work and life and influence. So your adversary, the devil, goes walking about, seeking whom he may devour. And that simply means destroy. That's his main objective, is to destroy. So Peter exhorts us to remain clear-headed, sober, watchful, vigilant, because Satan is around. He's here today. He's in this place. It would be nice if we could keep him out. we got security doing their best to keep us safe because of the foolishness going on in our world. But most likely, they can't spot him when he comes in. And that which they have as weapons is not any good for that. So he's around. We know that John tells us this. This is the enemy's plan for you, in case you're wondering. The thief cometh not, but for this reason, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And that word destroy means to annihilate. He wants your walk annihilated, your testimony annihilated, your influence annihilated, your witness annihilated. He wants it annihilated, not injured. He wants it gone, ruined. And you can probably think of a number of names whose testimony has been annihilated because the enemy came and 
thrust out their right eye. Maybe we ought to just take a exam. Is it there? Do you have yours? Okay, who remembers this? Actually, this show is still on the air, just a different host called Let's Make a Deal. Do you know that one? Put those paws up, okay, all right. So here's the idea of that show. Let's make a deal. You dress as some fool or buffoon, right? The more of a fool, the more of a buffoon, the more goofy, foolish, dumb you act, you might get called. Isn't that true? And so if he calls you because you're acting like a fool, then he wants to strike a deal with you. Okay? So they willingly, people willingly go on national TV, guys with big, huge diapers and rattles and big pacifiers, hoping he looks silly and stupid and foolish enough to make a deal. Get where I'm going? Yeah. Years ago, I think Adam and Jennifer, Ruth and I, I can't remember, Jonathan, were in line, I think, for eternity in L.A., to get into The Price is Right. Who watches that one? And you know the Disney amusement park lines? They're like this. That's what it was like. And I was growling. We were in line for hours. I don't really remember how. Two, three, I don't think I'm exaggerating on the story. It was long, long. And I think they would walk through the line. And they're kind of looking probably for the silly people. The ones that will go, oh, 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 pick me, pick me. Because I'm telling, I don't know if it's rigged, but they look for those people. You see how, did you ever see anybody probably like I would be? I mean, I, Joe DiVincenzo, come on down. I'd be going, I would. I don't have that in me. I don't. I don't. And so you act like a fool. You jump up and down. You go crazy. They'll pick you so you can make the deal. All right. Look, that's exactly what the enemy does. You know where I'm going. I know you do. Look this. He tried to make a deal with the Lord himself. With Jesus. He said, Jesus Christ, soon to be Savior, come on down. And the Lord walked down, and the deal was this. The devil taketh him up to exceedingly high mountain, and he showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And here you are sitting with your little worship or exaltation, whatever little bit of money you have, and the devil saying, look at all this. It's yours. If you just give me that. Just give me that little bit of worship. A little bit of a bow down. And you can have everything the world offers. That's the deal. 
All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. That's what the enemy wants. He doesn't want the things of the world. He don't want the cattle on a thousand hills. He don't want the trees. He wants your worship. Which only belongs to God. That's what he wants from you. So all we have to do is give Satan what he's been longing for ever since he fell from glory. Worship and recognition from God. That's what he's wanted. Now he got busted and kicked out of heaven, but he's not stopping. Now he's on the earth walking to and fro, trying to rob that which God adores and loves and dies for. And he's walking around and we're going, oh, ooh, pick me, pick me. I'll be the fool. Let's make a deal. And he comes to you. And he tries to strike up a deal. You see, you can see this is the inside of Satan's heart. Worship and recognition are, are far more precious to him than all the possessions. That's what he wants. He wants you to glorify him with your life, your decision. When Christ comes into your life or close to you, he wants you to go, ah, Is not devil the one who said, he is the one who said, I will ascend into heaven? Satan said this, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. That's your adversary. And he is wanting you to bow down. Recognition to him like the true saints are bowing down, recognizing Almighty. He's mimicking God. He wants to do the same. So this is what he wants from you and I. So he strikes to try to, he strikes a deal with you to get this from you. Now it's not so obvious maybe as the silly people on TV dressed like that. But he comes around. Matthew 13, 44 says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for the joy thereof goeth and sell all that he hath to buy the field. Again, kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one part of great pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now listen to me, please. I believe Satan believes every one of us have a price. He's not all-knowing, but if he can figure it out, he'll get you. Every one of you can be bought. Years ago, Adam... Our youth pastor did a long study on rock and roll, remember? And many of those who reached unbelievable heights and fame openly and publicly declared selling their soul to the enemy. And the enemy saying, look, you just recognize me, damn your soul, and I'll give you top billing all the days of your life. And they went... I'm in. 
They sold. Sold out. How about this? We talked about Eve. Perfect beginning. Every wife's dream. Perfect place to live. Perfect husband. Perfect area. Perfect lot in the neighborhood. And she sold it for a piece of fruit. She was tricked. He came. Save. Has God said? And she went, sure looks good. And she sold it. Think of what she sold, what she had. Of all the kabillions of women God could have made, he made Eve, set her there, and that's what happened. How could she be... How could she have been tricked? They walk with God in the cold of the garden. She was tricked. She was tricked. How about Esau? Robbed of his birthright. All through the word of God, you see what? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's supposed to be Esau. All through the world. How would you like it? How would you, wouldn't it be cool if I could show Luke and his sons and his sons? Look, it's Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph, your pap. All through the word of God. That's how awesome he was. He sold it for what? A bowl of soup. How? How could he have done that? I'm telling you, how? He couldn't see. He couldn't. How about Solomon? For a beautiful woman, he was robbed of his kingdom. It was split. Just for a woman. And go on and on. How about the rich young ruler? The Lord himself, he falls down, recognizes the Messiah, Jesus, while he's still walking the earth in flesh and blood, falls at his feet. What must I do? Man, can you imagine if you were his parent? Oh my gosh, our son's getting saved. And the Lord says, well, just, just put all that stuff aside and make me first. And he walks away. He walks away. Now, if that's been a couple thousand years ago and nothing changed in his life, the word of God does not say anything about it. He's been damned and in hell all those years with the thought as he was this close to the Lord in front of him. How could that happen? Don't tell me you can't get tricked. How about Demas in the ministry with Paul and Peter the disciples, all through my life, I would, I would always say, man, Lord, if I was only born then, I could be walking with these guys are tremendous with God. Tremendous. I don't have that tremendous. The Moody's and the Finney's and the Wigglesworth. Man, Lord. Ooh, I'd be able to just preach and bark and people shaking their, man, I wish I was. Well, he was. He was in all that. And he sold it. He said, the enemy said, the world kept gnawing at him, and he's looking at ministry, preaching, God, counsel, word of God. 
and looking at the world and the glitter and the gold, which is what he does to all our young people. He does it all the time. And they go, church, I want And Demas sold it. It would have been awesome to work with somebody who was way farther down the road in God and had so much knowledge more than me back in those days, back in my days. He had it. And how about Judas? Walking with the Lord. The Lord says, Judas, follow me. I mean, what would you? You're saying to your wife, the Lord's called me. I'll be back. I don't know when God's called me. Off he goes. Sits in those special private meetings and prayer meetings, hearing from the mouth of God, watching his lips moved, the words roll off his tongue and pierce in his heart. And somewhere along the way, for 30 pieces of silver, he sells that. Every one of them, without knowing, without receiving, or, or discerning, I should say, didn't realize they had their right eye plucked out. May have been a good altar call if I'd have just lined up full-size mirrors and you could come down and see if you have your right eye. Also, Years ago, years ago, when it was done right, tremendous men used to crisscross America and preach up a storm. Revivals would break out. Revivals broke out in New York City. Big ones, huge ones, godly ones, not the silly stuff we hear of today. What stopped that? Well, the enemy came around. He said, we can't have this. And all of a sudden, money. You could have a lot more bookings if you tone it down. Tone that word down. Don't be so rough with it, so strong with it. Which was keeping America godly and about as straight as she's ever been. And he started saying, oh, you can come here to Houston, Texas, if you want. and then you can book Buffalo, New York, and then you've got to come to L.A., and then to Oakland. And that's what happened. That's what stopped the great men of God. Money. Money moved in and ruined it. Absolutely ruined the uncompromising word of God. Well-paid speaking engagements. The enemy struck a deal. And halted the word of God. You dare preach the gospel strong. You're usually not in demand. You don't have throngs waiting to come in. You just don't. It's true. The word of God, the Bible says, is a rock of offense. It's offend people. If you don't line up with it, it offends you. It gets right in your face and say, what are you doing? Well, we don't want that. And you don't get invited back, and you don't get on the book routines and, and the signing and all that stuff. So the great evangelist, powerful moves of God before our time stopped. 
not what you have today. I also believe that every one of us have a calling. Every one of you. I hope that doesn't mislead you. I'm not talking about public speaking. I'm not talking about pulpit, church starting. Just I know that God does not waste his people. He's not going to just have you sit there and say, well, you know what? You, you sat there a nice, long 50 years. Welcome, well done. Come on in for doing nothing. That doesn't even make sense with God. He's not that way. So every one of us, I believe, have a calling, whatever it is. One Samuel says this, And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. God, all the people of God were going by, and he had a special calling for some, and he was looking for them. You know the story. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Martri was taken, and Saul the son of Kish was taken. And when they had sought him, he could not be found. I think there's a lot of that going on in American Christianity. Now, you can throw your rocks if you want, especially with men. We are blessed with godly men in this church, but I do not believe it's the norm at all, by far. Therefore they inquired of the Lord, where is this man? Where Saul, that God handpicked out of millions that walked past family by family, 12 tribes. You understand how long that took? And they finally come down to Saul. Saul picked him, said, Saul, you're the one. And maybe they went to set up preparations. They turn around, Saul's gone. Have no idea where he is. No idea where our men are. Verse 22 says, Therefore they inquired of the Lord. They had to go back to the Lord. That's how disappeared. Lord, where's this one? Where'd he go? Where are the men, Lord? What happened to them? God has ordained us as men to be, our, to be the leaders. Just like I said, when there's noise in the house, I don't grab my pistol and say, Hey, Ruth. I mean, I don't, even if I wanted to. He's ordained us to do that. He's wired us like that to do this. Even when it comes to this gospel and, and teaching our families and protecting them and taking care of them as the nation and all. And he's given us a helpmeet to pour it in to help us to fill our position. Well, they couldn't find him. And simply says, and the Lord answered, Behold, here's all the men, all the men that I have hand chosen, all the men that I've picked for this time in America to stand up, they're all hiding in the stuff. And man, are we known for that in America? Stuff. All hiding everywhere. Yeah, the enemy offers all kinds of deals. He'll come around with the best job you never thought you'd ever get asked. You'll get it. Because it'll just consume you. Stuff. Or you'll be hooked on some hobby. Doorknobs. Collecting doorknobs. I've seen them. Baseball cards. Um... Fishing lures. Yeah, this one's from Kentucky. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Oh, yeah, this one, is, this one here is from uh, Switzerland when I was a... Yeah, that's really cool. 
good. Seriously, dinner, hop of all kinds. Name it. You will get consumed in that and miss your calling. But you'll have the fishing lures. Sports, oh my goodness gracious, my goodness gracious. Even education, oh yeah. Boats, traveling, bank accounts, everything that you are blessed to be able to do comes from God. You understand that? Oh, no, no, I went to school and learned this trade. Nah, no, nah. no. You went to school and learned a trade to just fine-tune the gifting and talent that God put in you. Simple, just, okay, we have um, Emma and Shauna and Heather singing. Why don't we always ask all of you? Tomorrow, or next Sunday, it's going to be Steve Newsom, Donna Harsh, and Zach. No, Zach does sing. And <laughs> Dan Sorensen. They're leading worship next Sunday. <laughs> Why? They, how? How did they just, did they go by singing voice chords? How did they, how can they do that? It's just there. It's the same with artists. Ask me to draw something. Oh, my Lord. And ask uh, Penny and Mike's daughter. Oh, she just whips her, right? You're kidding. How, how can you even make your hand go like that and it makes something that I noticed right away? And yet, all is used and not on God. How many great singers started out singing in church? James says this, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. You guys playing? Piano players? Oh my gosh. Okay, maybe you can finally get that down. I would love, I can't wait to be perfect in the eyes of God. I'm going to play. Don't look me up. I'll be playing for a long time. And then try singing with it. Try that. When we had a choir, which someday we're going to get one back, it was difficult to sing and clap. <laughs> oh, we had bruised shoulders just from banging into everybody. Trying. There is giftings and talents that come from God. Everything that you can do, you builders, you... Uh, Auto body guys, you mechanics, you brains and math, that's all from God. And if you check it, if you don't have this eye, the enemy has you hidden in the stuff with God's gifting and God's talent. Who oh, he does. He does. Okay, listen to this. 1 Samuel 11, let's, let's look at this. We wind down, but these 
why I started in Proverbs uh, 2 was, look, you have to give yourself to wisdom and understanding to understand this. 1 Samuel 11, 1 says this, Then Nahash, the Ammonite, came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, let's make a deal. That's not the devil saying, let's make a deal. That's the people of God. That's the first thing out of their mouth. Let's make a deal. They get up one morning, and they see the enemy has encamped around them. First thing they do, they say, oh my gosh, let's make a deal. Door number one. So the Amorite enemy surrounded the Israelites in this city. Simply by doing so, they made their demands clear. You, know, you either give up this or you're going to die. Isn't that what the enemy says to you all the time? You get an ache, you get a bump, you get a lump, you get something, you're dead already. You're already dead and gone. That's what he does. Verse 2 says this, And they asked the Amorite, answered them. He said, all right, let's make a deal. On this condition. So here's his condition he wants to make with you. I will make this covenant with you, but I want to thrust out your right eye and lay it for your approach unto all of Israel. He says, I want your right eye. I'll make this deal with you. I'll back off. I'll leave you alone. I won't badger you so much, but I want your right eye. Now, if, if I would ask you that right now, I would like to believe you would say, are you kidding me? Absolutely not. Okay, well, what did the people of God answer? Verse 3 says this. Then the elders, you know what the elders are? They're leaders. The elders of Jabesh said unto them, um, hold off for seven days. Well, we're going to have some meetings and think about this. Man, if, I, if we ever do that as pastors, you ought to leave quick. Next time we ought to hear is your car door. If the enemy comes here, surrounds us, and we do, we see him. He always got all the visuals, the guns and everything flying over, and he says, you're dead meat. All we got is God. And we say, excuse us, we're going to have a little board meeting and, and see if we want to do this. I mean, you have two eyes. And that's what they did. The men of Jabesh, Jabesh Gilead, felt this was their only hope for survival. How could that be? These are the people of God. How can that be? How could it be? Either they surrender to Nahash and serve him under the agreement of the, of the terms because they made a covenant, or they'll simply be killed and plundered. Didn't anybody in the meeting say, um, let's humble ourselves and pray? Well, look, verse 1 tells us he shows up. Verse 2 says what's happening. Verse 3 says we're going to have a meeting. I'm telling you, the elders didn't have their right eyes to even consider the enemy. What's the Bible say about the enemy? He's the father of what? And what doesn't, even, what doesn't even reside in him? 
truth. <laughs> You're going to believe this? So instead of humbling themselves before God and confessing their sin, they're thinking about striking a deal. The sad effect of sin in, in, in our careless lives. Let me, let me just tell you something. Jabesh Gilead, I like looking up names. A lot of times they hit the bullseye. Jabesh, Jabesh Gilead means dry or dried up. That's what it means. Oil and water is a type of the Holy Ghost. And their name is saying, we're dry, not only dry, we're dried up. They don't even have an inkling to think, seek God. Cry out to God. See what God does. Because they're dry. Because they have not been spending time in the Word, crying out for wisdom, looking for her as silver. And so when push comes to shove and the enemy comes and camps around, they have nothing. They're dry. Dried up. So they think in the natural. It's shameful to see the condition of the church at times. It just is. How often do we as men say to the devil, let's make a covenant. Just let me fish my life. Just let me golf. Why the right eye? You probably know if you've had any length of time here. Nahash makes this demand for many reasons. First, listen, first he says it was to glorify himself by humiliating the church again and the people of God again. That's what they want to do. Constantly humiliate. Give God a black eye and lift themselves up. Half blinding the men of this city would bring reproach upon all Israel by making Israel look weak and unable to prevent such a cruel act. When they're supposed to be the protector. They don't because they're dry. They have no spirit of God in them. Lifeless. No oil. No water. Second, it would make the men of Jabesh Gilead unable to fight effectively in battle. We talked about this at our table last Sunday. Hand-to-hand combat, the man with one eye has less depth perception, obviously, and is disadvantaged to a man with two eyes. And you were taught to fight how? With that big shield. Left hand covering your face like this, and you're watching the enemy from your right eye. And you're swinging that sword of the Spirit. In the shield of faith, above all, and you're guarding. And you got the right eye to see him. So the enemy says, hey, uh, let's make a deal. You think you're going to die dead? He says, give me your right eye. And he's made the church with no fight, no say. The men wandering around, fishing and golfing, watching the Buckeyes, no longer in the fight because they can't see. Man, if I had the nerve, I would, but I don't. I could name names. Some of you would probably know them. And it had been great in God. Great in God but they let their eye get plugged in. In in the beginning with some of these, I could think of three real fast. I waited for a long time to come back. 
and they never did. Sometimes in my travels, I would drive by their house and I would yell their name. Come on! Come on back! In the car. But they've never recovered their eyesight. They're just wandering around. And we were in our 40s. Now we're 70 and 60s. And they're still wandering around, doing whatever life tells them to do. Getting in their boats, grabbing their golf clubs, going fishing, whatever it is. Just making that up. Listen here. What's the definition of Nahash? This creep that has come against all those who are dry. The definition of his name? It's serpent. <laughs> so it's the serpent talking to you. And there's no truth in him. And he does nothing but lie. And he always has the majority. There's always 100 million of them to two. He always has the, the odds in his favor. Have you ever felt the enemy talk to you? He's probably talking to you now. Have you made a covenant with the devil? Oh, if I'm just not sick anymore. Well, thank God not everybody sells out. They haven't. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Oh, man. That fire just roaring, people dropping dead because they get within so many yards of it, not even near it, just poof. You have a little bonfire come fall out there, and you're trying to do a hot dog, and your stick's not that. thing gets hot. They had their right eye. And they said, what? Uh, we die, we die. We're not going to bow. They had their right eye. They could see. How about Daniel? You know, a lot of us like watching those wildlife shows and those lions. And when they get something and a whole pack shows up to tear into that, man, they're going at it. They're just ripping buffaloes like nothing. That's what was waiting for Daniel. But Daniel had his right eye. And he said, no, I will not. How about Moses? Standing in front of the dictator of the world. And shaking his finger in the face of Pharaoh. Let my people go. He had his right eye. And how about the greatest one of them all? Jesus. Do you understand when Jesus was going to the cross, he could see you and me? And he's like, no, no way. The enemy was saying, I'll give it all. All you got to do is bow. And he's like, no way. I see Glenn. I see Nancy. I see my people. I see Pat Skelly, Hannah. No. I'm going all the way. Let's stand, please. Now, this is what I ask you the most. Please, do not just assume in your own natural ability. That's why we have our altar calls. Our altar call this morning, if I could name it, would be no more deals. 
Did you come down saying, enemy, no more deals? If I've been tricked, if I'm dry, if I'm not seeing clearly, Lord, I'm asking you, you please show me. You show me, God. I'm not going to sit there and say, man, that's not me. That's not me. Because the enemy is more crafty and sly than all of us put together. So as Mike gets ready to play some music, I want you to consider, please consider, you personally have a personal adversary who wants you damned. And you do not have the ability to outsmart him or outthink him. You've got to have the discerning power of Almighty God. You have to. And here's your beginning to ask. Our altars are open. No more deals, tell them. Live or die, I'm the Lord's. Do not trust your natural ability.